And welcome back to part two of our deep dive review into the musical of Oliver. We hope you had a great week and that you've had a chance to listen to part one and hopefully listen to a recording of the show or maybe you even watched the 1968 best picture film version of the musical starring Ron Mooney and Shani Wallace. Now, here we go. So, Lynn, you are our guest. So what is your first of your top three songs? You've got to pick a pocket or two. Why should we break our backs stupidly paying tax? Better get some untaxed income. Better pick a pocket or two. You've got to pick a pocket or two. Boys, you've got to pick a pocket or two. Sing, boys. Why should we all break our backs? Better pick a pocket or two. Charlie, take your hat off while you're in class. Did not make my list, but it's one that was close to it. There's another okay. favorite song I like. I love that because it does establish the whole attitude of Fagan, and it makes him comedic. It makes mm -hmm. him intelligent. Mm -hmm. It makes him whimsical in a way. Mm -hmm. uh, he, he's smart. He's always working. He's always thinking. And I thought that this was a wonderful way of uh, establishing his character, even though the musical is called Oliver. Yeah, no, that's perfect. And what's neat about the song is it's one of the things that this musical does well is that it mixes the dark tone with this upbeat comedic melody where he's talking, yeah. talking about robbing old men and tripping and you see them tripping Fagin and doing all these fun choreographical comedic routines, which normally you'd think this and go, oh my goodness, like that's awful. They kicked an old man's cane out from under his hands to trip him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. but it's fun. And it's fun to, and the song is infectious. Like you want to go pick a pocket or two. Like it's so immediate. It hooks you. But it's mm. also about survival. Yeah. He's teaching them how to survive. Yes. And, you know, it's funny, it's, in this life, one thing counts in the bank large amounts. I'm afraid these don't grow on trees, right? Like, he's very realistic. Yes. Like, I mean, kids today should learn that money doesn't grow on trees. You know what I'm saying? Tell me about it. Teaching yeah. them to have a work ethic. And yeah. I love that. I That's love it. Ribs, uh, Robin Hood, which is another great English folk hero. Where he's like, yeah, he was a crook, but he gave away all his freaking money. If, 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 if he's going to subscribe to some charity, subscribe to mine. Like, give me the money you're going to steal. Yeah. Like, it's like, it's great. And it's, it's, it's Bart doing his great witty lyrical fun with this number. And it, and it, it sets up that whole world to right, Lynn. Like, the minute you see the song, you're like, okay, I know the world that I'm going to be in with Fagin. This is it. Yeah. But it, and it also stresses the necessity of the poor. Mm -hmm. and, uh, like poverty in Victorian London, especially in that area, like St. Giles, that whole area of London, it was awful. Like the extreme poverty, mm -hmm. extreme and mass amounts of poverty. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and I think he, he helped those kids to survive. Yeah, and that's it. That's what that's what his purpose was. Yes, he was helping, and he was surviving himself. Mm -hmm. 
it's like Lynn talked about. What jobs did they have back then as no. a Jewish person? Not many. So it works. Oh. It totally works. It's great. And yeah, no, no, it's fantastic. Great choice, Lynn. A great way to kick this off. Autumn, what is your number one? All of them. No, just kidding. Um, my, my, my number one is as long as he needs me. make my list but like that's the ballad of the show it's i mean the I problem with this song is it's rarely done correctly mm -hmm. um it's like oh here's this big belting number listen to me sing mm -hmm. but it's complex it's 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 a, a struggle it's like all of those it's a great domestic abused woman song like yeah what like there is, there's this palpable, ugh, how she keeps feeding the cycle and she's feeding the cycle because she doesn't know how to escape it. Yeah. And what does she do if she escapes it? And mm -hmm. as long as he needs her, is that like, she's asking herself, is it enough? Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a great, great number. Yeah. And it inspired so many other great songs we will see later down the musical canon line, like uh, I Dreamed a Dream, On My Own. Oh, yeah. like, this was like the catalyst song that people all tried to emulate going forward. Because up to then, we never had, like, think Carousel. Julie Jordan does not really have a song like As Long As He Needs Me. Even though both characters are victims of domestic abuse, Nancy is the one that gets that. Well... So you get what you get you'll never walk alone that's just not her Julie song things it yeah but yeah, it's dollars in that one to julie in a way, right exactly. it's uh, well, that's uh dive deep like this one like this one you're right it, it's from the abusers perspective, <laughs> where it's which had never been done before like my dad remembers seeing the movie and seeing first of all bill sykes hit nancy and striker like that terrified him but then he says the song broke his heart watching shani wallace sing the song watching bill walk away like it's a heartbreaking moment of the show and you're right people ch shouldn't just come downstage and just belt their heart out like this is a moment that it's, all, it's still quiet it's, it's a still quiet moment that you build to this defiant moment of if you are lonely then you will know when someone needs you you love them so True. 
convincing herself. Yes. That is this song. She Mm -hmm. is convincing herself to stay. And that's what most people miss in interpreting this this song. Mm -hmm. You know, um, uh, the, the character of Nancy was actually based originally by Dickens on the murder of Eliza Grimwood. Oh. And it was something that haunted Dickens, uh, like, throughout his whole life. It's, it was one of the major things that haunted him till his death. Mm-hmm. And um, she died at the hands of her lover, whose name was William Hubbard. Oh, Bill. There you horrific, go. yeah. It was a fr- horrific, she, like, he slit her throat, and it was a, a very graphic scene probably something akin to what people saw with Jack the Ripper, right? Yeah, and, and it was a book scene. It's very graphic. Yeah, and it, it is. What do you think of As Long As He Needs Me? For me? Yeah. That was my second song. Um, Perfect. I look at this song, and of course, I am, you know, from a modern point of view, I am horrified by this song. I totally understand her point of view that she is totally deluded mm-hmm. in thinking that this bully, this this uh, domestically violent man who keeps on beating her up, mm-hmm. um, is deluding herself into thinking that he needs her. And it's heartbreaking, as you say. And she, and I agree with Autumn that she's trying to convince herself that, that, he needs her that i'm going to stay true just and mm-hmm. and even then in angry poor london there are people who say leave him you've got to leave him mm-hmm. and she won't do it because she's deluding herself into thinking that he loves her and he needs her and she finally does leave him when he kills her yeah so it's a loaded loaded song Mm-hmm. that in it, it taken out of context it can be a a, a a love song that you can look at without knowing the ba- the basis and the context of it mm-hmm. but in the context of the musical it's devastating it's heartbreaking it's aggravating you want to you want to kill her because she doesn't see that he's going to kill her you I know, know. Well, I think she know. I think I think there is a piece of her that knows. But Why I, do you think that? Um, well, it's in the reprise where she knows it's going to happen. As long as he needs me, I know where I. Yeah, 
yeah. end for her. I think anyone in that situation knows. Okay. Like I, I, you know, I'm not going to go into details, but there is a knowledge that is present when someone is being abused in whatever way. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a danger, but there's also this belief that you can affect change. And yeah. I think Nancy and Bill Sykes is also complicated. Like he, yes, he is an, uh, an abuser. He is. There's, but we can't just call him a villain. Yeah, we who, have to who look was at the, the one who did it to him? Who was the one who did exactly. it to him? Right? It has to come from someplace else. There's and a pattern. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So she sees that part of him that she gets that glimmer of hope. There's hope. There's hope in the cycle. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, perpetuates that song and her still convincing herself mm-hmm. that he needs her and that she has to stay. Yeah. And um, that, is, that is the tragedy. Mm-hmm of of the the whole musical at the end and it's and and it's in the dickens thing too like this guy william hubbard he was the one that called the cops after he killed his lover yeah wow so i mean it's and it's a complication that is you know it's very much about class and in all our conversations about um uh about um isms today we forget to talk about class Mm -hmm. and it's the number one factor for most of the things that are happening Mm -hmm. you know so i i think i think this musical does that well agreed and so yeah so as long as he needs me great song as lynn as you said it's it's multifaceted it's neither like clearly bart knew what he was doing when he wrote this song because it is one of the most covered songs of the musical theater canon that people do on like their solo albums and everything like he wrote a great single track and also works as a great character building soliloquy song and also kind of an i want song for nancy in the show like it's it's, i I, I don't know if either fine life or 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 as long as he needs me is her i want song because because in fine life at least she talks about what she wants with Bill Sykes. And this is, I think this is more of a soliloquy where she's having to build herself up. So my first choice though, is yeah. Oliver. Others to wallow in gluttony. Oliver, Oliver, lock him in jail and then put him on sale for the highest bid. Let him live in The song sung by Widow Corny and Mr. Bumble. It was oh. it was the first song that I really learned because I as, as I learned Where is Love for the audition for Talk is Free. But then when mm-hmm. I listened to the album, this was the first song that I really kind of clicked it for me and I went oh this is great and it was it was the catchy tune that really got me first but then when you actually listen to the lyrics of what Bumble and Corny are talking about 
it's awful. It's very Dickensian, like what they're talking mm-hmm. about, like either shoving Oliver up a chimney for a year or throwing him down into like a pit to feed on cockroaches served in a canister. Like, Okay, and- let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this. Do you think those characters, those two common characters, would ever use the word rue the day? Bumble might. I think Bumble might. I think Bumble is is middle is, is enough of is up a, up in class enough that he has some language. Okay, fair enough. I All think, right. Yeah, I think I think language was different. Mm-hmm. I think our modern modern take on like language is a dying skill. It is. Like it's something yeah. that is a dying art form. I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. But back okay, then, I would. You know, you you get a character. Uh, and because it was 1960, and I would say, I know that Mr. Bart has done other musicals, etc., but he was not as adept. He didn't quite understand a lot of, a lot of the, the technicality, the mechanics of, of the musical. He's got that fantastic first number, mm-hmm. but I, I, in musicals, uh, um, uh, recently, you and of course we have Mr. Sondheim as the great instructor, mm-hmm. who says that you have to have lyrics for the character. Yeah. So therefore, when Mr. Sondheim wrote the lyrics for West Side Story, which he hangs his head in shame, he says <laughs> he gave internal rhyming to to a woman who didn't understand English. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so you know that's wrong. I I look at Evita, for example, the song sung by the mistress who mm. doesn't even warrant a name, and Tim Rice has her doing internal rhyming yeah. of saying things like, I'm immune to gloom, and I'm thinking, honey, in a thousand years, you wouldn't know what that meant. No. And so you have to look at the lyrics and say, Do you know what you're talking about? And why am I listening to this? And while it does take us, uh, 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 it, it makes us suspend our disbelief, mm-hmm. lying on the floor in total incredulousness should mm-hmm. not be an option. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I yeah. agree. But I do think in that time period, they probably would say the word rue. I, ha- I have no problem with the word rue. I have the problem with who would say it. But, uh, but as Max says, Mr. Bumble would probably know words, so uh, that worked for me. Yeah. yeah. Widow Corny, maybe not as much, but she has the much simpler verse of the song. It is more, yeah. more a choral singer of the song, while Bumble is the one that kind of gives all these awful suggestions of what they're going to do to all of them. <laughs> also, the song is really also holding a mirror up to our governmental s- support systems that we have, yeah. where oversight is huge. Like, yeah. Like what Bumble and Corny are doing, where they're feasting on, on luscious feasts, and these kids are on maggoty-filled gruel. That's and right. It's like, like it's huge oversight, and the fact that like, this abuse by these uh, caretakers would happen, and nobody cared about these workhouse boys. It still happens. It, it, it yeah, still happens. <laughs> she's, she's Mrs. Lovett in a different time period. Yes. Hmm. She's like, she's, yeah, she's very much another Mrs. Lovety. They're opportunists. Yes. Yeah. Well, she's, she's like, they she's are like, the Macbeths. Yeah. They are the Macbeths. 
they're, they're the McBass, they're the innkeeper and his wife from Les Mis, Monsieur yeah. and Madame Thenardier, they're Miss, Mrs. Lovett, like, they're all those types of characters. And But each one of them has a very good reason for being that way. Yeah. Like, they're not, like, even the Macbeth had a very good reason. Iago had a very good reason. It's played correctly. Yeah. Right? We just yeah. can't we just can't see these people as villains, right? Because they're, right. they're not. They're just not. Well, the goal of any time when you're directing somebody who's supposed to be the quote unquote villain of the story is you have to work with them and make sure they understand that. They don't ever see them like Mr. Bumble never sees himself as a villain. He's a businessman. He is a man trying to run a job of having to it's kind of like Miss Hannigan. Where it's like your job is being stuck around kids all day. I don't think he's trying to run a business. I think he's trying to climb the ladder. Yeah, they're two very different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he is a ladder climber. <laughs> he's a Malvolio again, yeah. a Malvolio. Yeah, uh, and ultimately, and Malvolio can be a hated character, but it's not. He he he's a, he's one of the most sympathetic characters I find in Twelfth Night. I love Malvolio. It's yeah. complicated. Yeah. But yeah, that's my number one. So Lynn, what is, you said your number two was as long as he needs me. Yes. Um, Autumn, what's your number two then? It's a fine life. If you don't mind having a go without things, it's a fine life. Though it ain't all jolly old pleasure outings, it's a fine life. When you've got someone to love. You forget your care and strife. Let the prudes look down on us. Let the wide world frown on us. It's, it's a, a fine, fine life. Did not make my list, but I do talk about it down the road for another song that ties into it. But I love It's a Fine Life. I do too. I mean, it's Gorgeous. looking at the glasses, you know, half, half full. Yeah. And... In, ex- in extreme circumstances, mm. what Nancy's enduring, she's still trying to find the positive. Yeah, like that and one song captures her. It's it's her. Like you get who. And it's also taking the piss out of the upper classes. Absolutely. Like, what, like tea and crumpets. Who need like? Yeah. All the all the all the excess. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a commentary on excess. Yes in a way, right? Mm-hmm. I'm living a fine life. Yeah. And you know, as uh, in uh, so many people, and even myself, I'm like, oh, I wish I had more money, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, I'm living a great life. I don't mm-hmm. need more money. What yeah. I think, you know, we all need is stability and security. Mm-hmm. And I think that is- One thing she doesn't have. Well, in a way, she does. She has a stable relationship in in whatever way you want to look at that. There is some a sense she has a man. Yeah, it's important, right? Mm-hmm. Within the inner workings of it, is not stable, right? But there is a societal stability there. She works with Fagan. She tends bar. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, there's money coming in. Mm-hmm. And there's always rich people's pockets to nap. Right. Mm-hmm. Always. And I love... they don't care. They yeah. don't care. Mm-hmm. And I love what they did in the film version, where they moved the song out of the Fagin's den into the bar, mm-hmm. where, where it takes place right after you've met Bill Sykes. 
and you get to see Nancy doing her doing her daily routine of getting him soup, getting him bread, moving through the bar. Being a part of a community of yes. people like her. <laughs> yes. Like, I, I don't know who wrote the screenplay for the film version. I don't know if Bart actually did it. He may have. Uh, but whoever did did a great job adapting that that song for film. It works. And, it, and it's fantastic. I agree. Well, what do you think of Fine Life? Um, is it a fine song? Yeah, I like the irony of it didn't it didn't make my my three my top three. I like the irony of it more than I like say Oompa which is on my least uh, the ones that I would skip. Oompa says the same thing really in a way, and you need something uh, lighthearted to open up back to. I'm thinking not in my world, but still I can I can understand. The point of view in in the nineteen in nineteen sixty. We'll get to Oom Papa. It's coming. We got yeah. Oom Papa in coming not coming not coming our way. <laughs> okay. So Mac, what's your second favorite song? Reviewing the situation. Reviewing the situation. I must quickly look up everyone I know. Title people with the station. Who will help me make a real impressive show? I will own a suite at Claridge's and run a fleet of carriages and wave at all the duchesses with friendliness as much as is befitting on my new estate. Good morrow to you, magistrate! Oh, good. I think I'd better think it out again. So where shall I go? Somebody? Who do I know? Nobody. All my dearest companions have always been villains and thieves. So at my time of life, I should start turning over new leaves. Ah. That, that, like, I, did, did, did either of you have it on your lists? Yeah. I got it nice. as my third. Me too. Perfect. Okay, yeah. so we all got one together. Yeah. Isn't that a nice thing? Yeah, I call this the dark version of If I Were a Rich Man. Because they're both very similar melodically. Like if you think, I'm reviewing the situation. Yeah. If I were a rich man. Like they have very similar melodic lines. And they're both basically talking about the similar things. Just Tevia is talking about wanting to elevate him and his family to a better social economic life. Fang is just wanting to move up the ladder for himself and his save his own neck, basically. And I think he's I I I don't I don't even think it's like I don't think it's malicious in any way. I think it's a dream. Like he's dreaming of just it's his somewhere that's green. Yeah. It, it, it is also, but also if you look at where it comes in the show which is after Oliver's back in the fine life of reprise where he sees his world falling apart, mm. where, he knows what's gonna, where he knows it's all coming to an end with Nancy and Bill. Like this is his moment of what do I do? Because the original title of the song was there's, there's not a lot of business in, in, in crime. And it's the whole thing of what do I do? And it's a two-pronger. It's, it's him doing a true Shakespearean to be or not to be soliloquy, and it's the 11 o'clock number of the show. And it's back and forth. It's it his is. oh shit moment. 
it's really what it is. And yeah. it's like, now what do I do? It is the internal struggle. And it's tragic. It's that comedic melody mixed with really sad lyrics where he's wondering, who's going to care when I die? Like, who's going to mourn me or anything? Like, am I just a body, basically, that once I'm gone, I'm gone? There's that mm. legacy question that we talked about in Fiddler coming back again with Feg and going, what am I doing? Like, but if you look at that, if you look at Tevia in comparison, both both men are consumed with the idea of family, mm -hmm. right? And betray, like the idea of betraying family or family betraying them, and what's going to become of me? Who's going to take care of me when I'm old? You know, the idea of loneliness. Tevia loses so much of his daughters when he when they when they're forced to leave right it is about family and i think he in reviewing the situation he he's grappling with that he's grappling with huge things and what is remarkable about this song is that he is someone he is a lower class hero in many ways like we're rooting for him we're rooting for him. Just like in The Wire, we, we root for Omar, mm -hmm. right? Or even Stringer, but we root for these guys because we, have, we see their redemptive qualities and that they're more like us than, you know, mm -hmm. we sometimes don't want to admit. Yeah, like it's also neat that most of the Lilky songs start with the question uh, and then they answer the question by the end. Like if you look at Valjean's soliloquy where it's, the what have I done? He starts with, what am I going to do? What have I done? And he answers it with, I'm going to break my parole and go and change my life. Javert's suicide soliloquy is, ends with him asking, what world am I living in? And ultimately he jumps off a bridge. And even Billy Bigelow in, in his song, Soliloquy, he answers his question of, what do I do with my child? He goes, well, I'm going to have to break it, make it, do something to provide for my child. Fagan doesn't answer the question. He ends it with, uh, I think I better go think it out again. Like his whole final verse is, I don't want nobody hurt for me or made to do the dirt for me. This rotten life is not for me. It's getting far too hot for me. Don't want no one to rob for me. But who will find a job for me? There is no in between for me. But who will change the scene for me? I think I'd better think it out again. That's his answer. That's his answer. Yeah. What, what, which is? The final but line? He has to rethink it. He doesn't have to have a solution. What's he going to do he, with his life? He has to rethink it. That's mm. all. Well, that's a neat way to look at it. I don't think any soliloquy song or any soliloquy ever answers itself fully. I think the beauty of a soliloquy is that it is a, like it is exploring the curiosity of a character, mm -hmm. right? Billy Bigelow doesn't come to an answer. He he thinks he does, but he's left going, uh, "How do I do it?" Yeah, Billy Bigelow's an idiot. <laughs> Billy Bigelow had two chances, had two chances, two chances at redemption, and he screwed up both of them. He's a fool. 
great. Okay, so reviewing the situation. We'll review the the carousel situation at a later time. We will talk about oh, and I think I think we may definitely have to have you come on and join us for that episode. Oh my god. Okay, fine. So prep your notes. You're in a mainstay. You're a mainstay oh guest now. Jeez, uh, which I love. My third choice cuz both of your third choices were reviewing the situation. My third choice is Lynn as she alluded to one of the songs she does not like in the show, but I absolutely adore, which is Oom Pa Pa. Opening to act two and okay so I'll go through it first and then and then we can bash it after is, is how, that's how we do it when we have lists when we have songs that are on opposing lists we go through the positives then we hit the negatives so I that's like it review hmm? right good review right <laughs> yeah listen see there you go um yeah okay so this song uh, first up for me, I le- it's interesting how it depicts our idealized version of Victorian Dickensian London, where it's all these, pe- the- these lower class people in the East End singing a bar song in a bar, like doing the swing the glass, like it's that, like it's, it's it totally captures our idealized version of that, which is great. It's, it's a moment that's pulled right out of the 1948 film where a lady by the name of Lucy in that film sings a little ditty in the bar that distracts Sykes while Nancy tries to get away. Um, and then and, the, and then the melody, and, and then on top of that, it's a, it's a great opening to act two because it doesn't advance the plot in any way, but it also gets the audience back into the Dickensian world they left at the end of act one without having to worry about audiences getting coming in late and missing an important plot point. Because you don't want to open act two with my name because if audiences miss that song, they miss Bill Sykes. So you need how a many song- people are How many people do you think are going to come in late from intermission? You never know. It depends on the washroom line. I've been at many a Mervis show where people come in late. Okay, fair enough. So okay. you need a song that will give that leeway to get people back into the show okay yeah and the lyrics once again they're the tightrope walk where on one hand it's a jaunty bar tune but if you actually listen to what they're talking about it's depressing like you got the plights of like mr percy snodgrass who is a depressed drunk who is drinking himself to death as Mm -hmm. he dreams of becoming an earl or you have um what's her name pretty little sally who is a prostitute who gets to take advantage of by a man and that leaves her broken and destitute. Like you have all these characters that Nancy's describing that are like in horrible situations, but it's like, ah, it's okay. It's um, papa. And it's that mislead to the audience as well, where they go, Oh, this is like, consider yourself. This is what we've already known. They have no idea what's coming in like 10 minutes in, like later where you have Bill Sykes arrive and you get the first, 
uh, abused by of Nancy, where she gets smacked by Bill, and then you get as long as he needs me, where the tone totally does a 180 on you from that happier dark tone of Act One to a this is getting bleak in Act Two, like this is not going to end well situation. And Oompa does that really neat kind of walk the line, and it's like a lovely ladies or a master of the house where it's two different things happening at once. And my last positive point is that when they did the film, they did a great adaptation of this once again, where normally if you were adapting this for the screen, you may cut Oompa because there's no real plot point to it. But they made it a plot point where it bookends Nancy for, for the character where beginning uh-huh. uh, of the movie she sings fine life in the bar and you get the setup of her and bill in the bar doing her singing her song and then in, act, in the second part of the movie she sings another bar song but this time it's a distraction to get oliver out of the bar into mr brownlow and you see her using her resource of being kind of the bar singer to kind of get her out get oliver out and it's that flip switch and it's great it's a great adaptation of that song i love how they do it in the movie because it totally works yeah. I think I think Fine Life though is a better song. Oh, it absolutely it's a better song. It's more plot important because it talks about mm-hmm. a relationship with Bill. Oompa Pa is just a fun whole playful. Well, it's a music. It's like it's a musical song. Yeah, like, based it on music like uh, Tarara Boomdie kind of yeah. thing, right? Mm-hmm. Where you know this is what they used to like get rowdy with in pubs, and everything yeah. was about sex and drinking. Yep. So that's why they, I don't think the Percy Snodgrass and things like that are, I don't think it's meant to be depressing. I think it's just them taking the piss, Mm. essentially, like they did in musical songs. Mm -hmm. Whereas Fine Life is her trying to convince herself that it's okay. Like I have, I have a fine life, right? Yeah. I've got everything. Mm -hmm. Whereas this is, this is, it is a, it's a big production number to start the act. And it's a production number that works, unlike their other big production numbers, which we'll get to on my yeah. list. Where I like, yeah, you're right. It does. Oh. It takes us back into the world. It takes us back into, uh, you know, the satire of, of the, that music hall that was sort of like Vauxhall Gardens kind yeah. of feel. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, I don't know if it's a, a great number. It's one I of my faves. Understand your point. I do understand. Yeah, you love the fun song, so I do. That's one of my fun song, Lynn. Yeah. Always okay. Good to know. Yeah, yeah. true. Lynn, oompa pa, your notes. Give it, give it to us. How did it end up on your other list? Um, I just, I, I just thought it was frivolous. Uh, in a musical that had made light of a of a terrible situation i do have to keep on reminding myself it was done in the 1960s i have to remind myself that lionel bart was mainly a composer creator of pop songs this Mm -hmm. was that the musical theater language was not necessarily um uh, uh he was not comfortable or or familiar with it oh you've got you've got your director et cetera. It just, as I'm looking at it from 2020, it just seems silly. And we had other, we had other songs that did a better job of being mm-hmm. silly. Yes. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. 
now we're into our top three songs we either skip or would cut. Lynn, we know your number one is Oom Pa Pa. No, it isn't, actually. Oh, what's your number uh, one? And, uh, my number one, for, uh, uh, and this, uh, I, it has an explanation. My number one is My Name. Strong men tremble when they eat. They've got cause enough to fear it. It's much blacker than they smear it. Nobody mentions my name. Ooh, did not make my list. That almost made my other list, though. Okay, and I'll tell you why. It, when I saw this it, it, in the theater, it was terrifying to me. Mm -hmm. It was terrifying. When I got the album and played it uh, at a regular volume, when you come up with the downbeat at the cetera, it was terrifying to me hearing it for the first time. So every single time I've played it or listened to it, I know it's coming and I turn down the volume. I won't skip it mm -hmm. because it says everything about him. I guess in a way it should have been in my top three because it says everything about him. Mm -hmm. That he is terrifying. He's so terrifying that people won't even say my name. Mm -hmm. They won't even say Bill Sykes. But when I, when that younger version of me heard it for the first time, it scared me. And it scared me when I first heard the album. And I have this kind of Pavlov's dog reaction to it. So as I look at it in, in more maturity, considerably more maturity, um, then it's a wonderful song that sets up who this character is. It just scares me. And I'm, all I'm thinking about is being scared, you know, when you hear thunder or lightning or whatever. And that, I put that as my, uh, as my first song. Really? You know, yeah. I, I love it. And, and, and the fact that it scares you is just what it's meant to do. It works yeah. for a stage. Because don't forget, we haven't seen Bill Sykes in Act One. Most musicals, like especially the Rogers and Hammersteins, your villain is set up in Act One. You would get the villain song maybe third or fourth song into the show. We've had to wait until top of Act Two to introduce our villain of the piece. Or, sorry, Autumn, villain, air quotes villain yeah. of the piece and it's a great opening like I, I autumn and i were talking about this yesterday after recording our episode about how uh this song terrified me being in the show like we had do you know me from talk is free i, I don't know no. if you ever saw him he did no. Ivan and a whole bunch of stuff um no. but he played bill sykes and he was one of the nicest men i ever knew but he would come on to the scene and there was just something about that he got into for that part. And it was scary. Like, yeah. you ran in fear of Milosh in that scene. And same thing with Oliver Reed. Like, when you watch the film, yeah, they kept yeah. the song, but you didn't need the song on screen because you got all of those sights in a close-up. On stage, you don't get that close-up shot that no. you Oliver Reed. But you still get that. Like, my dad was scared of Oliver Reed. Even, like, even reading some of the background stories of the movie all the kids were scared of Oliver because he stayed in character off screen 
So mm-hmm. all the kids were terrified of him. Like, it's a great, scary song. Mm-hmm. Like, when he comes in, that you're right, that first boom, that first downbeat is such a jarring moment from Oompa Pa, which is why Oompa Pa is also a great lead into yeah. that song because it lulls you into that da 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 and then there's that jarring downbeat of him coming in and it's like what just happened the lights change everything changes it's yeah yeah, oh so good autumn i know you love my my name i don't know why i didn't make your top three i don't know why either because it for me it's just like this man who has people have built him up whether he I don't know. Like he is a he is a bad dude. He is a bad dude. All the work has been done for him before he gets on stage. Mm. Yeah, everything done for him, and so all he has to do is appear. That's it. It's there. You go. And he he. I think he feels he has this obligation that he has to live up to his name. Yeah. And it's amazing. It's such a, it's such a machismo thing, the name. Do you know what I mean? Like there is this thing about the name and mm-hmm. the name serving as a legacy, right? Yeah. And I think Bill feels this obligation to live up to this name. And I think that's, a, I think that weighs on him. It does. If and it's done correctly, mm-hmm. it has to weigh on him. And I think he has done terrible things, but I also think that he holds the burden of that. Mm. Oh, I think okay. I think that makes him really complex. Mm-hmm. I don't think we get to see a lot of Bill Sykes portrayed the way I view him, mm-hmm. but I think he is, I think there is a burden attached to him saying, he says, his lyric is, Rich maiden, I'll dare five pound notes out. Save me emptying their coats out. They know I could tear their throats out just to live up to my name. So ah. it's something that he has to keep perpetuating. Okay. So he doesn't lose street cred. And what would be the uh, the ramifications if he lost his street cred? He dies. Somebody like the, like the next up. Well, it's, it's that classic drug world underworld situation where once the kingpin shows weakness they get booted out and the next person comes up the line that's right that's right classic mm-hmm. classic classic greek greek in nature right oh, lynn a great choice a great, great choice i and i understand it is terrifying but i think it becomes even more terrifying if his uh if it it's something he feels he has to maintain Mm-hmm. Rather than I'm just a bad dude, mm-hmm. because then you realize his his stakes are in place, and there's an urgency behind mm-hmm. the song. Mm-hmm. So well, yes, yeah. I put it as a equal with uh, reviewing the situation because I think they serve a similar purpose. Mm-hmm. Okay, well done. Okay, Autumn, what is your first song of your list of cut or skip? You're gonna love me for this. Are you ready? Ready. And I'm, I'm saying this song because, again, it's one of those ones that becomes very schmaltzy very quickly. Mm-hmm. Consider yourself. Consider yourself. Consider yourself. 
does serve a purpose the artful dodger is just that he's artful and he's a dodger Mm -hmm. unfortunately the way this is done the way it's a big production number takes away from the menace and the conniving nature of this character Mm -hmm. and he is he's got to be a little wily like he's portrayed as this very cute kid with a top hat and we don't get to see his his artfulness in this number. Like it's like, oh, I can give you some hot dogs and some a place to live. Oh, okay. Do you know what I mean? Like, and it negates the fact that this kid has been brought up in an orphanage. Like he's also Oliver is also scrappy. He's the kid that got booted out for asking for more. We we he's portrayed as too innocent. And I think, you know, no, no, it does, that doesn't work for me. Like, I think he should be a little, this number should be a little bit more crafty. Mm-hmm. That's all. And yeah. I think we can do that, but just every version of this is like, we're dancing in Covent Garden. Yeah. Jazz band. No. Yeah. I will piggyback off that where I will go, what, what my first note is when people picture, people who don't know musicals picture musicals where people randomly break into song and perfectly choreographed dance. This is it because the ensemble has no reason to sing this song. Up until this point, Oliver, the orphans, Mr. Bumble, Widow Corny, the Sourberries, all have had organic reasons to sing. And out of nowhere, <laughs> The, the entire <laughs> London is now dun, 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 and it's like what like we're, we just left that wonderfully set up food glorious food world that that Lynn pointed out where it's that where it's that organic song world that we've now gone into classic golden age musical moment and it doesn't work it, it, it you you clashes and you're right I think it works if you change the song slightly and make it a song of Dodger singing. Not the entire ensemble. Have Dodger sing it with him slowly but surely pipe-pipering the rest of the pickpockets and having them entice Oliver into the world of their um, pickpocketing. Like, it's, it's, it's that kind of Faustian devil song of, look, it's kind of fun, you know? Like, we kind of just, and you kind of get a sneak peek of pick-a-pocket later on. But I mean, you can do a counterpoint. You could have people unknowingly being pickpockets singing another tune. There's mm-hmm. so much potential for this. Yes. And I like the idea that it highlights community mm-hmm. and that you're part of our family. But what is, 
what is the family? Like, it's not the entire East End of London. The family he's no. selling all over is, is is the pickpocket family, the 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 Charlie Sloans and the and, and the you it. and It's a sales job. It is. It's a sales it job, is. and it it comes off as a used car salesman instead of mm -hmm. a really good salesman. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Lynn, what what do you think of Consider Yourself? Um, I can understand why it's it's there in this in this musical of its time. We're mm -hmm. thinking about it from from the point of view of 2020, mm -hmm. where we have been educated by their musicals and know how things fit in, etc. And you're right, there are all sorts of there. You know, you've got the entire London singing a song that they have no reason to sing, but. but <laughs> That's happening throughout this whole musical. I know. Um, but I, I, I certainly can appreciate, I can appreciate that the, the guile mm -hmm. of getting him into that comfortable place of consider yourself that you're accepted and you're home and everything is fine. I can, I can appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's it's, a, it's you need that song. It, it's a, an important song to set up the artful daughter. It's just the way it's directed. Autumn, you're right. Yeah, I I yeah. see Autumn's uh, Autumn's point too. So when she does this musical, I want to be in there immediately. Okay. <laughs> because because you you know it's I remember Jackie Maxwell directing Gypsy as a play with music yeah. rather than as a musical. That works. And there's the difference. Mm -hmm. There is the difference. Mm -hmm. And it is like, you know, he was, Bart was working with Littlewood and that's what Littlewood was doing. Mm -hmm. There you go. He plays with music. I mean, Oh, What a Lovely War is not a musical. Oh. No, it isn't. No. It is a, a, a play with music. Mm -hmm. That's right. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Well said. All right. My number one is who will buy? So what am I to do? To keep the sky so blue, there must be someone who will buy. Yeah. So I have two parts to it because I like the first part of the song, which is what Bart was going for, which is the haunting uh, street cries of the morning works. And all we're kind of walking through that and seeing this world where it loses me is when it becomes a big freaking production number and ramps up with the who will buy, who will buy, who will buy, Grrr, who will buy. And it gets so big and it's like, it doesn't need to be big. You I, I'm gonna, and you're good. I'm going to interrupt you. Oh, no. Look it. <laughs> that is not how a London street cry sounds. <laughs> and, it's haunting. There's something hauntingly I'm, beautiful sure, about that world. That sure, but it, it, that's not accurate. That's <laughs> not inaccurate. 
How do you know, Autumn? You went around in Victorian London. You I, don't know what they were yelling. I live in current day London, and current day London is a far cry from Victorian London, but it is not pretty. It is not a pretty city. It is a dirty, filthy cesspool of poverty. You, if you go in Covent Garden, it's not like that. It's chaos. Mm -hmm. It's chaos. So what would have been much better in this song was to keep the idea of the sellers, but mm -hmm. have them trying to compete, right? Instead of, oh, look at this beautiful midfair morning. <laughs> and like, that's not where people, people did not go to Mayfair to buy their strawberries. It's very inaccurate. It's not something that happened. People went to the market, or they had their servants go to the market. Mm. That's what they did. They, they didn't go to the market. They wouldn't slum themselves that way. Mm -hmm. They would go to Covent Garden, they'd go to Spitalfields, they'd go to Smith, Smithfields mm -hmm. for their meat. Yeah. With their knives to grind and their eggs for sale and the flowers, two for a penny. Look at <laughs> right. my fair lady. I mean, my fair lady, that is an accurate depiction of people selling stuff mm -hmm. in London. Mm -hmm. And they certainly probably did not sound that way. Mm -hmm. Like, no I just like the haunting opening of them kind of all just li lilting in over top of each other. That part I like. The production number, the big production dance part we get at the end, no. That's where I go, not needed. We just had Oom Papa. We just had As Long As He Needs Me. We don't need a production number here. Move the plot along and get off and, uh, and already abduct Oliver. Let's go. Lynn, you gave a, oh no, and we said who will buy. <laughs> what is I your... Goodbye. I love the me love the melody of it. I love the melody of it. Mm -hmm. Um and just taking it in its own in its own time. Mm -hmm. You know, it's so easy for us to say this doesn't work and this doesn't work. We we have to look at it from its own time. Mm -hmm. Well, it's also a, a song about hope. Yeah. And yeah. there's there's this uh, and I think it it is a contrast. It is the opposite of the world he has just come from. Mm -hmm. Like it's shiny. It's kind of like the bling bling version of a world, right? It's like stepping out. I'll never forget when I was doing a show and I brought um, one of the young actors who was originally from the Philippines up to Muskoka. And he's like, I can't believe the beauty look at how beautiful this is and seeing the world as something clean and other I think is a hope button in the piece mm -hmm. um I just I wish I wish it were more about Oliver mm -hmm. and like mm -hmm. seeing like just people walking through Mayfair because or riding horses because they did that in Mayfair right or a couple of dandies walking by. That was very, that was something that happened quite frequently in Mayfair, right? right? Instead of bursting into, let's hop over the Mayfair fences, mm -hmm. um, is not something I don't think, you know, upper class people would do, but maybe I'm wrong. They let me <laughs> in other ways. Who knows? I love it. Okay, so Lynn, your, so, so, so your first two were my name and, um, uh, uh, um, papa, um, right? papa was number three. three. Okay, so what's your number two? 
Number two is I shall scream. If your hand is close, I'll press it. Yes, you like it. Come, confess it. Yes, you do. No, I don't. Yes, you do. I shall scream. I shall scream. Till they hasten to my rescue, I shall scream. Since there's nobody that's near us who could see us or could hear us, if I ask you, can I kiss you? Say what will my pretty miss do? I shall scream, scream, scream. Oh, that didn't make my list. I do like it though. It's it's fun, <laughs> but it makes it's no fun. It's fun, but it comes from it's come again. It comes from. A char- two characters that are developed only for the song, and then you don't see them again. Yeah. Well, you see them in Act Two, but the whole the song comes from. There's a scene in the '48 movie that's very similar to this scene where it's them in the parlor flirting it up, and you do yeah. need to set them up to become a couple because in Act Two they're the ones that get the locket that they bring to Mr. Brownlow. So okay. you. Do- you do need to do yeah, some a couple for that. Okay, but I, I, I just thought it was just lock I, it. I, yeah, yeah. So you yeah, need to I just thought it was silly. It is silly. It's over the top. It's ridiculous. You don't need it, which is why they keep shortening it in all the revivals. Like okay. The original cut, it was like a three verse song. And by the time you get to the 2009 revival, it's like one verse and we're done. Like right. it's a very quicker version. But I, I do agree. It is one where it's like the Bumbles and Corny are not important enough to really warrant a full-on lo- love duet. But it is funny that it is a love song and it's done, sung by these two innkeeper and his wife, basically, and they're flirting with each other. And it is, it, it, it's cute and funny and it's a weird love duet. Like you know, a lot of love songs and shows yeah. about young love or it's about parents looking back on love. And then you got these two um, more mature characters having having a love song. I don't I don't think they're in love. Oh, they're I, definitely they, they, they're 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 flirtatious, but they're not in love because we see their marriage is not happy. And well, it's not a love song. But to them, it's a love song in the beginning. We know it doesn't. Song of seduction. Yeah, it's a flirt song. Yeah, it's a sex song. I'd call it a lust song. Yeah. It's a lust song for Bumble. For Widow Corny, it's her class song where she's seeing Bumble as a way to move up the ladder. Like, like you saw in the um, BBC version. Oh, Widow yeah. Corny, she marries Bumble for class to move herself oh. up the line. Of course she does. But that, again, this, these, are, these are tropes that Dick, like Dickens comes back to. Mm-hmm. And I, I agree with Lynn. I don't like the song either. It's definitely on my skip list. I'm like, mm, whatever. Who needs that? Um, but I understand that in the larger scheme of things, Bard was almost staying true to um, the Dickensian way of writing, where he gave a lot of credit to these sub-characters and fleshed them out. Mm-hmm. Um, but in a musical format, doesn't work. Well, you have to sit through it, don't you? You have to, like... Like, well, there's a reason why I got cut from the movie. Yeah. When they did the Lena. film. Lena. Like, they, like they cut the Intaker song too in the movie. They did. The Intaker, not the Intaker, the, the Undertaker. Funeral parlor, the Sour Berries. That's your funeral. 
they cut that and like like if you watch the movie they smash cut from oliver the song oliver to boy for sale it's a very sharp edit great it's perfect like yeah. that that is great mm-hmm. because we we don't like we don't need to sit and watch bumble and corny go at it <laughs> fair enough wonderful autumn what is your number two i, I agree I shall scream is your number two as well, yeah, and it's just annoying. <laughs> um, and in the in the age of, you know, consent and things like that, it's I don't know. It's one of those things. It's like ah, eh, I don't think it. No, I don't think we need to go there. <laughs> it's already problematic with the the abuse and yeah. I don't think it's I. You know, uh, it's like. But Bumble does ask, can he kiss her? So he does ask for consent. Yeah, I know, but flirtations with the I shall scream. I, yeah, I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know. I cut it. Cut it. Fair enough. All right. Uh Lynn, your number three was Oompa Pa. My yeah. number my number two was Consider Yourself. So my mm. number three is I do anything. Would you rob the shop? Anything. Would you risk the drop? Anything. Blue your eyes go pop. Anything. Oh, when you come down plop. I'm everything waitress. I'm everything to keep you. And I swear, yes, we do anything. 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 This song has no purpose. It lost its purpose the, when when they when it was because it was meant to be a love duet for Oliver and Bet that they were going to then reprise in Act Two after Fine Life reprise. Um, and once you reduce Bet's role to being a highlighted extra, <coughs> no reason for this song. You get the whole point of that scene, with, um, Nancy's Fine Life song that Peter Coe always championed over. Um, I do anything, but it was Bart that kind of really kept the song because he liked it so much, and like that little Easter egg of Bet and Oliver together. Mm. Um, but ultimately, you could cut it, or I like what they did in the movie. Once again, coming back to the movie, they were smart, where they moved Fine Life to the bar to make an intro song to Nancy, and then you use I do anything as the setup song for the Nancy Oliver relationship, which works on screen. Yeah. Yeah. So if you split the songs versus having them in the same scene together, but if you split them and have them as two different moments in the film, it works. So I think if you're going to keep the song going forward, you have to do some restructuring or cut it out because yes, it's a well-known song and we all grew up hearing people sing it, but it's like not necessary. It's, it's a fluffy song. It's a, like considering we've just had a lot of grittier lyrics and songs that come before it, this is like eh, fluff. It'd be great to have a fine life, like lullaby that Nancy sings to Oliver. Mm. There does need to be something between them, mm-hmm. but I think it should be something that comes back, or you know, something akin to "As Long as He Needs Me." That's a a lullaby mm-hmm. that solidifies their relationship, because otherwise, it comes from nowhere in the music. True. 
this song does solidify their relationship. And it, it needs to, although it doesn't in a really cutesy way, I'm kind of like, mm, well, how did this relationship build? Like it's seemingly- Out of nowhere. Yeah. So I think, you know, maybe having like building in a scene with them and then, mm-hmm. you know, letting us see what Nancy sees in Oliver and vice versa would be good. Mm-hmm. Lynn, what do you think of I Do Anything? Um, I can understand why there, you know, after reading the liner notes and that kind of that, mm-hmm. uh, it reminded me of yeah. by a song in, uh, in Sweeney Todd to Mrs. Lovett, gonna harm you not while I'm around. Yeah, I well, uh, that sets up all sorts of things, mm-hmm. but in fun, I, I can, I can appreciate it. But it can be, I can also appreciate it can be cut. Mm-hmm. I think either cut it or restructure to make it their song. Yes, make it work better. Yeah, exactly. All right, we're now to the final question of the episode. We've made it here. This uh, show, does it deserve to be revived as a silver place? Uh, Lynn, we'll start with you. Jesus. <laughs> well, in the, in the day, in the age of Me Too, I think a lot of the, a lot of women, a lot of people would be offended by this, by the battered aspect of Nancy, by the battering aspect of, of Bill Sykes, Mm -hmm. of the dishonesty, et cetera. They would, the, the moral, the moral center of our universe that is offended by practically everything that isn't isn't uh, PC would be offended by this show, um, and yet, and yet, as long as he needs me, is a perfect, perfect song mm-hmm. for any age of about of abusive women. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the musical is is okay as a historical example of what musicals were like uh 60 years ago and how the musical has adapted and and changed over time and i don't think you get rid of quote unquote museum pieces Mm -hmm. because they've passed their best by date i think this has things to say Mm -hmm. um and the and certainly the whole idea of nancy and bill are timeless yeah they're timeless Mm -hmm. and that's the unfortunate thing and you don't say oh i don't want to look at that again phooey Mm -hmm. well done phooey indeed autumn your thoughts double phooey i think art is meant to challenge us i don't think we should be cleaning it up who cares Mm -hmm. if there are things that challenge us to think and engage the world more critically and with more empathy. Honey, a lot of people. A lot of people would say that, you know? Of course they would, but they're, what are we supposed to do? Just create clean art that is in neat little boxes? That is well, not the purpose of art. Art is right. meant to challenge to, to show Messy. ugliness and the, the seedy underbelly of human nature. Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, you go back to Dickens and yeah, if you want to call him anti-Semitic or what, how has society changed? 
how were conversations like what he put on the page a catalyst for change, mm -hmm. right? And I think if we don't have the struggle, we cannot have the art. Mm -hmm. It would right. be boring. Life is full of struggle. We cannot negate it. Mm -hmm. So put it out there. I think it's a great musical. I think there are some um, very bad uh, directorial choices uh, that have been made. I've seen a couple of versions of this that are very clean. It can tend towards the schmaltzy, but it's not written that way. There are no. that are, but I think you need to find a way through it mm -hmm. to find the dirt because it is dirty and it's not, it's not neat. And yeah, I think it should be done. And I think, you know, we need to look at Victorian London because, you know, there are a lot of parallels to what we are doing today. Very yeah. We have not learned from our cycles and that is the problem. And every, everything is in chaos now because we are not learning from our cycles. Yep. Period. Period. End game. Uh, well, my final thoughts are, I agree. This musical is a classic. Like, this will always have a place on stage, especially in London. Like, every five, six, seven years, there'll be a revival that's done. I mean, I guarantee you, Cameron McIntosh is already working on one. Like, this show was out in 2009. Give it another few years after COVID. They'll be back. Um, it's also a great way to introduce children to musical theater that's not Disney. Like, mm -hmm. don't take them to Lion King. Take them to see Oliver. Like, I show my kids this. And did you show your kids the movie? Oh, yeah. I, I bought it for them. They were very confused why there was an intermission, which was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but they liked it. Like, they got it, and we had a good conversation about it. I, I think, you know, if you're doing it, I think we should take Cameron McIntosh in this one because I want to direct it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if mine will be completely child-friendly. That's okay. That's okay. And Adam, you're right, we pointed out, this is a great discussion piece. It opens the, the door to the discussions, especially with children, of poverty, domestic abuse, like anti-Semitism, all that type of stuff. This musical opens that door to that great conversations you could have. But kids and don't even, like, kids don't look at, like, my kids didn't look at Fagan and go, oh, he's a bad man because of his, you know, his culture or his religion. Just, no, they, they learn that from adults. They yeah. learn it from adults. Mm -hmm. So if you open children's eyes and go, well, this is what some adults would think about this. Mm -hmm. And they, my kids would be like, well, he was just being resourceful. He was doing what he had to do to, to live. Mm -hmm. Like we should all go back and live as children. Yes. Without, without people telling us how to think. Mm -hmm. We would be so much better off. Yeah. And yeah, my, yeah. And my final thought as well is that it needs to be dark. We don't direct it as camp. You, you cut some of those big production-y elements. Cameron McIntosh doesn't need to be a big spectacle. You can make the show work in a, in, a, in one of your smaller intimate theaters in London where, 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 where it's a little bit more grimy and it will work. That, that's what made that BBC version so great is that it is grimy. Everybody has, everybody's teeth are rotten looking. Nobody looks clean. It's great. So good. That's it what needs to happen. All of the BBC versions of Dickens' novels are fantastic for that reason. They're dirty. They're dirty, dirty, dirty. Yeah, they're all dirty. It's great. Okay, so now it's time for some closings. Thanks, everybody, for listening in. Lynn, thank you so much for coming on. Well, thank you for asking me. I loved it. This is great.
Anytime you're coming back, definitely going to get you back in for carousel because we definitely need you for that. I love it. Yeah. And so first off, big shout out to thank you to our wonderful theme music composer, Mr. Brody Weld, who is still creating music while he is in quarantine with his family. He has released a new single called Home Decor, which is a rap about fatherhood and household furniture of all things that got his inspiration. It's great. Pretty witty. It is. I have to say. Right? Yeah, it's great. And then the other big thing is follow uh, us at Before the Downbeat on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Every week we're either posting a fun fact or a clue about our next show. And as we talked about in our first two episodes, we have the big announcement of we now have a Patreon page, which is where you can donate to us on a monthly basis, and we will give you some goodies in return. I won't go through all the tiers again because it takes a while. Um, So instead... I'll tell you what you get overall. You get musical, um, movie musical commentaries. Maybe you'll make us watch Oliver and we'll do a commentary for you on it. Uh, we can most certainly, we'll be doing a monthly theater news review as well as a top 10 uh, topic list, whether it's top 10 uh, female musical heroines, top 10 uh, soliloquy songs. Who knows? You get to choose the topic turning on your tier. You also can uh donate and become and be able to get your voice heard on the podcast when you send in one of your audio clips of a musical of your choosing uh, from our uh, from our season list so go on patreon at before the downbeat check that out lynn where can people find you oh god well they can do slotkinletter.com perfect and they can see my uh my blog uh, it has, of course, been rather quiet of late, but I have done some stuff. There's, you know, there's a, a show that I reviewed called Life in a Box, Ooh. which I saw in the theater, and now Matt Finland and Landon Dope, but they have written the music and the lyrics for this show and the book, and they're mm-hmm. doing them in segments every Friday on Instagram, oh. Landon Dope. And it's at every Friday at 4.20 because it's a stoner musical. And 4.20 is very important. I only read about that. I wouldn't have known about that, those things. And so they're doing the musical in segments. And they are divine. They are lovely. So uh, I'll do reviews of shows that open and closed just because of the of the virus and I have because I procrastinate too much I will finally get to that stuff and the comments and things but you can check all of my reviews past and, and stuff is there. love it fantastic autumn where can people find you all the regular places autumn dm smith on facebook and the instagram And my business name, Littlewood Smith. I love it, I love it, I love it. And you can always find me at Mackenzie Horner. Look at on all social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Look for the red hair guy. You won't, won't, yeah, you can find me really easily. Um, And then, yeah, from there, we're going to see you all uh, next week when we reveal our next show, which is one Autumn has a very special connection to. Yes. But until then, thanks so much for listening, Lynn. We can't wait to have you back on again. Thank uh, until you. next time, everybody, stay healthy, stay safe, and stay inside. Thank thanks. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.